0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. Again, it's good to be in God's house. I, I, I love that video. that video. Cracks me up every time. Well, we've been in a series that we've entitled level up. And we're at the end of our series. Today is our, our last one in it. And, and, and it. and if you don't know what level up means, again, I'll remind you. It means to enable a player or a character to go to a higher level, gaining more skills and strength. And so what we've been doing is we've been focusing on the fact that there are several areas in the Bible that God will have us level up in. Now, you, you At the beginning of the year, we have these things called New Year's resolutions where everyone picks their own thing that they're going to quote-unquote Make a priority of the year, and the Bible does. And one of them on the top of that list is physical. And God knows, I many of us need to get physically in shape. I just came back off of a cruise, and it was seven days, and I gained seven pounds in seven days. So if I'm looking a little snug today, that's what's going on. But the Bible says the Bible says that uh, that uh, physical training is 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 worth something, but godliness is is worth gain in this life and the life to come. Amen? And so we've been talking about uh, training in godliness at the, at the beginning of the year and to prioritize the things that God would have us to prioritize things in. And the first that list was magnification, which is worship. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And so and, and so, and Jesus said that God is looking for true worshipers, those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. So we started out with worship. And I gave you an, an, an example of a, 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 if we were using an illustration of a, of a baseball, worship would be the stadium, the name of the stadium in which we play in. Everything we do should surround worship. Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. Amen? And so everything is about Jesus and worshiping him. We were planned for God's pleasure. Secondly, if, you're gonna, if it's a baseball stadium and you're going to get to first base, first base in, in, in this arena is membership or, or, or belonging or fellowship. Why? Because we were formed for a family. God did not create us to be lone rangers and to try to figure out things on our own. He, he let us know in, our, in the Bible that we are better, we are stronger, we are smarter together. Amen? We have more resources if we work together. And so we were formed for God's family. And then second base would be maturity or discipleship. We were created to become like Christ. That's literally what the Bible says, that we are becoming like Jesus. And there are some disciplines that we can put in place to become more and more like him. Prayer, which isn't overly complicated. Prayer is talking to God, getting into God's word, and and taking the next step doing what he says. That's the difference between a casual Christian and a committed Christian. The casual Christian will hear the word of God, let it go in one ear and out the other. The committed Christian will say, Lord, give me the grace and the strength to walk this out. Amen? Amen. And so that's how you grow. And that's why we put in place these Bible studies, these life groups. There's an opportunity for you to join a life group. Six weeks. It's not a lifetime commitment. But we encourage you. We have... have, uh, in place uh, Bible studies, on campus Bible studies that are going to be taking place over the next few weeks with the new series. And we have, for those who are still <laughs> locked up in their houses, <laughs> Zoom ones as well. So sign up for one of those two things, all right? And then, third, place, third base, if you're going to round the bases, is ministry or service. We were shaped for serving God. We were not called to sit, but we were called to serve, amen? It's not just about showing up every now and then or once or twice a year. It's about becoming God's hands and becoming his feet and becoming his representative in this world. We are called to service. And, 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 the, and the way you fulfill that one is you just find an area of service. Find an area of service and plug in. And, I, and this is what I say. If you don't like the area that you're working in or the culture, you know, give it a few weeks and then try something else. But don't just sit. Serve God the father. And then if you're going to take it home, you got to the the in order to score points, you got to round those bases and get to home and home plate we said was missions or evangelism. We were made for a mission. Uh, and the operative word there was simple. What's the word that I said that you should remember? Go. <laughs> yes. It's not that complicated. Jesus said go into all the world preach the gospel. He said, he said that, uh, that, uh, 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 that in Acts 1 or Acts 1 initiative that he, he's made us his witnesses so that we can go into to Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the out of, outermost parts of the world. God has called us to reach out to a world that needs, that's what he needs to hear about, Jesus. Now I said, okay, so if we're, using, if we're sticking with that analogy of a field... We have outfielders as well. Last week, I wanted you to to jump in on on one of the outfielders that we talked about, which was mental health. And and Dr. Norm did a superb job, didn't he? Amen. Did you love that message? That was a great message. I got back yesterday, turned it on and listened to it. I'm like, wow, he hit it out the park. Do you think we need to know about mental health in today's world? Come on, somebody. Do we know a few people who are just a little bit stressed out with what's going on? Go back and listen to that message. We were meant to have the mind of Christ, and he said in that message that our, that our faith in Christ, our faith in Christ, our faith in Christ will govern our feelings. There's a difference between our Sunday morning Christianity, who we are on Sunday, and who we are on Monday. Come on, somebody. Monday is the real you. <laughs> Monday is what you actually believe. And he encouraged us to build up our faith to build up our faith on our Monday morning is to start putting into practice the things that God has said. The Bible says, focus on whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is holy. Focus on those things. And he said that psychology has now uh, caught up with what the Bible is teaching. Focus on the good things. He, said, in fact, he, he encouraged you to, 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 to create a joy journal where you, where you put the, the good things that God has done for you the good things that you have done for other people, right? And then you just kind of remind yourself, keep a list of these things so that when the enemy starts to hit you and with God can never use you, and you go, no, God used me here, he used me here, he used me here, he used me here. Well, God doesn't do anything for you. Well, no, he, he, he did something here, he did something here, he did something here. And you just remind yourself of the goodness of God because your feelings will follow your faith. Come on, somebody. And so we put our faith and we trust in him. Well, the last outfielder that we want to talk about, and a very important subject is the one for today, is money management. We were more We are more than what we make. I want you to write that down. We are more than what we make. And that was brought into I'm going to say focus, when I was talking to my younger brother, not that long ago, and the subject swung around to how, in fact, it gets harder and harder to see, the older we get. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody? And for a while there, I was doing the old manual focus thing, okay? I would move the thing back and forth, right? Trying to get in focus. And I finally conceded that it was time to get glasses, even though I didn't want to. And he told me that, that it hit him a few years ago, taking a college math course, working on some equations for hours and hours, only to realize the reason he kept getting it wrong, listen to me, was his eyesight was blurring the equal signs into negative or minus signs. His eyesight was blurring the equal into negative or minus signs. And it wasn't until he realized that that, that was the problem that he had, that, 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 that it wasn't someone ex, something external, it was something going on in, inside of him, that things finally changed for him, that things finally came into focus. Now, folks, we know that's true of a lot of things, but especially on this topic that we're talking about today. Listen, I believe that you're here for a reason. You know what? You know why? Because this was actually scheduled for last week. But we had a schedule change, and, and we had to switch things around. And so I know that you are here because God wants you to be here for this message. Money is not good or evil. It's value neutral. It, it, can be, it, it, it can equal a tremendous positive in our lives if utilized wisely, or it can turn into a big negative and cause a lot of stress and distress Especially if you don't have enough. And God wants to replace our financial stress with financial peace. Anybody interested? But it's going to take us gaining a new focus in order to work. And the question is, how do we find that peace that he's talking about? How do we level up in this area? Again, money is a huge issue for most people. Now, you take this $100 bill, right? Can anybody see that? It's not big in size, but we know that it's it's powerful in impact. I mean, it, it, it's so small that Pastor Steve didn't even notice when I took it out of his wallet. <laughs> but, but it's so powerful that it gets most of our attention the moment I pull it out, right? The moment I pull it out. And the size of the bill doesn't adequately reflect... Uh, reflect the the size of the weight of the money in our lives. If it adequately reflected the size of the weight of the money in our lives, it would look like like this. Do we have that? There we go. It would be that big. Keep that up there just for a moment. But if it was that big, it'd be hard for us to carry it around in our wallet, wouldn't it be, right? And so I'm going to keep this one right here just for a moment. Keep that one up. Question. How much impact does that have on our lives? So. How much impact does it have on our lives? According to researchers, researchers 86%, 86% of Americans say that they're experiencing significant financial stress, especially today with the cost of living going up and everything rising the way it is. Anyone go to, the, to, the, to, the, to fill up with some gas? Yes. It's just a little bit different than about a year and a half ago, isn't it? Almost double, it feels like. 51% says they're experiencing moderate or, fi- or financial stress. They think about it every day. 23% say severe financial distress, and it affects their health and their relations, relationships. 12% says overwhelming financial stress, and it's crippling or paralyzing. They're not able to advance. And every one of these have negative health effects on our body. 52% say because of stress, they're experiencing increased irritability, anger, and fatigue, as well as sleepless nights. Now, anybody having any sleepless nights out there? Come on, somebody. (laughs) 44% say they have trouble with migraines. Uh, It causes two and a half times as many heart attacks as those without it. 500% increase in severe anxiety and depression. Three times the ulcer and digestive tract problems. And it goes on from there. People have financial problems are more likely to pick up destructive behaviors like smoking, weight gain, I'm not saying anything, gambling, drinking addictions, and to top it all off, 54% of divorces list financial troubles as the number one reason for their breakup. 54% of the people say it's finances. And so with 86% of Americans say they have, they're having fi- financial stress, you need to know that That's not God's plan for our lives. I believe with all my heart that God wants to replace that stress with peace, but we have to get off the the river denial. You know that river somewhere in Egypt somewhere? We have to start admitting that there's a problem because instead of including God in our finances, a lot of us, we leave them out. Many of us don't, but a lot of us do. And instead of following his financial principles, we've simply ignored them. And to the extent that we leave him out or ignore him in in that part of our life, that's to the extent that we're not experiencing his peace and his blessings. Your equals will continue to blur into negatives. Does Jesus and God care about money? Well, we know that in the Scripture, someone did the math that there were some 2,350 Bible verses on money or possessions. And Jesus taught on money or possessions, they say more than the subject of heaven, the subject of hell, prayer, or even faith. In fact, 30% of the parables deal with money or possessions. Now, Jesus taught us how to handle our money, and he says the way we handle our money has a big impact a big impact on every area, every other area of our lives. In Luke 16, 11, this is what he said. He says, and if you are untrustworthy with, help me out somebody, worldly with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? If you are untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? In other words, how you handle your material wealth that God gives you is a direct reflection of what God, what's going on spiritually with you. Now, let's be clear. Money isn't everything, and we're definitely more than what we make. But, if he, but he's saying if he can't trust you with, with honoring or handling of your money, how can he trust or bless you with bigger areas of your life, like your marriage or, or, or your family or your integrity? And so if you, want God, if you want God to trust you with true riches, you have to learn to manage your money in a way that honors him. And I want you to write this down. It's your second fill-in. Stewardship, the way you handle your money is discipleship. Stewardship is discipleship. And discipleship in a nutshell means spiritual growth or maturity. We've talked about that second weekend or third weekend. So I would argue that it's impossible to be a, a what I call a fully devoted follower of Jesus until you become a fully devoted steward of his blessings in your life. Let me say that again. It's impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Until you become a fully devoted uh, uh, steward of his blessings in your life. So many people in this area, in this area in particular, they make this the exception. They'll sit, they'll come to church, they'll serve, okay? They'll turn it on every now and then. But this is the area where they say, this is a bridge too far. When it comes to my finances, I'm not gonna, uh, we don't wanna discuss it. Why? Because that's where your heart is. And the Bible says your treasure, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so you want to know why God talks about it in the Bible? Because he wants your heart. And if your treasures are material things, things that are here today and gone tomorrow, it's in the wrong place. Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen, Jesus speaking, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Amen? And so today I'm going to give you an overview of some biblical and real solutions to our financial stresses so that our overall perceived equals don't continually be turned into negatives. And that's why, that's why I called it money management. We are more than what we make. And again, stewardship is discipleship. Too many people say to me concerning this area, Pastor Rick, you know, I'm just going to hope for the best. Let me just tell you something. Hope is, hope is good, but hope is not a good money management strategy. It's good to have hope, but it's not a good strategy. I'm going to give you five decisions that you need to make to leveling, leveling up in this area in your life. Five things. Number one, write this down. Determine your priorities. Determine your priorities. Again, it's a great time of year to talk about it, who or what's going to drive your life. When this becomes your driver, it puts everything else out of whack. When money is your, motivated, your single motivation in life, it throws everything off. Money is, is an okay slave, but it, it ain't a good. Uh, it's not a good master. And when you're constantly living for that, it can stress you out. So, what's your number one priority in life? If, if your life so, becomes solely structured around chasing after it, it's going to be pretty miserable. Jesus said this, and this is my life verse: Matthew six thirty three. New Living Translation. He says, God will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your, prior, your primary concern. Does anyone believe that? It, it, the, the New Living, I mean, the NRB says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then he says, All these things will be added, will be added unto you. And so, folks, there's basically two types of people in this world. The, 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 on one hand, you have people who, who, are, who are what I call, they live for the hustle or the grind. It, it's all about the dollar bill. And on the other hand, you have people who live for God and they trust him for their provisions in life. Amen? Amen. Which one do you think is easier? To be, to do it yourself. <laughs> Listen, I, there's a reason why this is my life verse. because I've realized that in putting him first, listen to me, he provides all that we need. Amen? Now, fortunately, when it comes to finances and God's promises, the Bible is clear concerning the things of the Lord. Deuteronomy 14.23, Living Bible, this is what it says. Matter of fact, read it along with me. One, two, three. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. I got one amen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got two. I got two. Amen. The purpose of tithing is to let me read it again. Is to teach you always to put God first in your life. Deuteronomy 14:23. And so, what's the tithe? What does tithe mean? Ten percent, and so when we give back to God or honor Him with the tide, that shows that God is a priority in our lives. It proves that God is a priority in our lives, because again, the Bible says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be." Also, so here's the principle. I call it the seventy principle to last, the seventy percent principle of lasting wealth. Get this down, and you won't have any financial issues moving forward. Overall, let's pretend that this $100 bill represents what you make during the week, okay? The first 10%, which is how much? $10. T- turn to your neighbor Says $10. God gives you $100. The first 10% goes to who? Goes to God. Write that down. Now, let me tell you the reality with most Christians. Average Christian gives 2.3% which is $2.30, all right? And then we get all stressed out when things aren't working out. But based on God's promises, is he obligated to work things out? Help me out, somebody. No, all right? Because he says you, to, to make him a priority, you put him first in this area. Do you get that? So where's that promise? Malachi 3, 6. It says, I, told, I, the Lord, do not change. Do you believe that? Yes. And so the, the scripture says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, right? I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and you have not kept them. Return to me, he says, and I will return to you. In other words, you've walked away from me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Good question. Will a man mortal rob God? Will a man rob God, one translation says? Yes. Yet you're robbing me. But you ask, how are you robbing me? This is how. In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And so what, was the, what were the Israelis doing at the time? They were doing what a lot of the church does. They weren't given 10%. They were given 2.3 2 or 4%. Whatever God gave them, they were breaking off a, short, a, a, a smaller amount. But they weren't experiencing the blessing because <laughs> you can fool yourselves. You can fool your friends. But who can't you fool? God. You can't fool God. And so he says in verse 10, "Bring the Help me out, somebody. The whole tithe into the storehouse. What did we say a tithe was? That's right. What's a whole tithe? The whole tithe. <laughs> Ain't that complicated. He says, bring the whole tithe into where? The Your whole. storehouse, which is the church at the time. Then that there may be food in my. my house. Then he says to do something that he doesn't say to do anywhere else in the scripture. In fact, he says, don't do it in the scripture. He says, to test me in this. In other words, everywhere else in the scripture, he says, do not put the Lord to a foolish test. Except in the area of your giving, he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Come on, somebody. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields, Will drop their fruit before will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Now listen to me. We've had an opportunity over the last few years, two years, to put this to the test as a church. Because not only do we receive offerings, but we also give out offerings. And over the last two years, I don't know if you've noticed what's happened. But most churches have, because of COVID, have not seen the numbers coming that they saw prior to COVID. Can, can we get a witness to that? I know all my pastor friends, it's not just here. It's happening everywhere. matter of fact, in this church and other churches, uh, we've got about, we, we had close to 200 people coming before COVID. We've got a third coming now. We've got a third watching online. And there's about a third that have just stopped going to church altogether. And so that means in some, in some churches, they're having, because the, the tithe for them is not coming in, it's difficult to keep the doors open. But not here. During the last two years, you know what we did as a church? We increased our mission giving. <laughs> like and though, though the numbers have gone the same way, our church has gone completely out of debt over the last two years. Hallelujah. I'm not saying it makes sense. I'm just saying according to God's economy, when he calls you blessed, he calls you blessed. Amen? And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around you. If you will stick to the principles that God makes, God knows how to take care of his own. Amen? Amen. And so when you make his house a priority, he'll make you a priority. Amen? Amen? And so in Proverbs 3 9 through 10, 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. And someone say First fruits. First fruits. And the reason he says first fruits, because so many of us, the, the, so many people have said to me, Pastor Rick, I just don't have it. And my response is, God has given you nothing? How many people can say God has given them nothing? Don't raise your hand, please. Don't, don't, don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> The reason that you don't have it is because you're giving him what's left over. Do you understand the difference between a first fruit and a last fruit and leftovers? All right? God blesses the first fruit, not what's left over. And because it's in reverse, you don't have the tithe to give to the Lord because it's going to, you know, cable, it's going to the new car, it's going to get your hair done. It's going to the new dress. It's going to the new whatever. He says, honor me with your first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim uh, over with new wine. And he says, test me. It, it'll be simple enough. If it ain't working, stop doing it. Okay? I've been doing it for 30 years, and it's been working for us. Amen? All right. Second 10%, say tech, second 10%. What's, what's the second 10%? What's 10%? $10. If I give you 100 bucks, second 10%, 10 bucks, goes to your savings or debt. Savings or debt. If you have debt, pay that off first. Start with the smallest to the largest. Debt snowballing. I have a little bit more to say about that in a moment. But if you don't have any debt, we need to be saving some of what God is giving you. Proverbs 21.20 says, wise people live in wealth and luxury, but stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Turn to someone, look them in the eye, say, don't be stupid. (laughs) Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. Proverbs 13.22, good people will have wealth, to lead to their grandchildren, not just their children, but their grandchildren. Amen. But the wealth of sinners will go to the righteous. Now, let me give you some statistics. Average Japanese saves a Japanese person saves twenty five percent of whatever they make. Wow. Average European saves eighteen percent. Average American. 0 to 5%. How many know that's a problem? Yep. That's a problem. Most financial advisors say we need at least three to six months of savings to insure against emergencies. Or Murphy, you know who Murphy is, right? Murphy's Law. Murphy's law. Anything that can go wrong, go wrong, I don't speak that on you, but I know that the wash machine's going to break. The car is going to break down. You're going to need a plumber at some point, all right? <laughs> things happen that you don't expect. And so you want to have savings so that when Murphy shows up, it, you ain't freaking out because you've got the solution to Murphy saved up in the bank. Amen? Now, third 10%, say third 10%, should go to long-term savings or investments, i.e. retirement, future family planning, we talked about Social Security in the past, but even if it's going to be around, for those of us who are, you know, you know, 20, 30 years out, even for the young people, we don't even know if it's going to be around for you guys. But even if it is, you know what the average Social Security check is? If you're counting on that, it's about $1,000. Can you live over $1,000? No. A month? No. I'm saying. so you. And they don't do, what were they doing? We talked about it with my mom. She was one of the last generations where they had pensions. There are no pensions anymore. Unless you save for yourself, you are heading for a bleak future. Are you listening? Listen to what Dave Ramsey has to say about that.
1: If you're looking for ways to save and grow your money, it starts by planning and taking... Baby steps, but those baby steps can go a long way. Dave Ramsey is the author of Baby Steps Millionaires, how ordinary people Built extraordinary wealth and how you can do it too, and he joins us right now. Dave, good morning to you. How are you, Steve? I'm doing okay. You know, um, I, I, I love this book, and one of the things you say is, unless you, you think it's possible, then you will never make the sacrifices where you can actually get there, but it is possible to get there for almost everybody. You know, it's math, and math
2: is doesn't care what color you are, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a southerner or a northerner, whether you're right-wing or left-wing, math is just math, and it works whether you're in California or whether you're in Tennessee. And that's the beautiful thing. It's accessible to all of us, but you do have to believe, and there's a lot of hope stealers out there stealing people's hope, telling them that America is so broken that they can't go win. And, I've actually
1: got evidence to prove otherwise, and that's what we put in the book, to prove to you that you can do it. All right, let's talk about some some do's and don'ts. You say it is wrong for somebody to just look at a shiny short-term investments, or things like uh, Bitcoin, but instead think of tried-and-true long-term investments. I mean, wasn't it Albert Einstein who said the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest? Yeah, he called it the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah,
2: That's exactly right. And steady over time is what does it. Get rich quick has never worked. It's okay if you want to do Bitcoin. I'm enthralled with it too. I think it's very interesting. But it has not got a proven track record of causing people to become wealthy over time. It remains to be seen how much of Bitcoin is going to work for our good or bad. Nothing down real estate has proven as a get rich quick thing to break people. I went broke in my 20s doing it. So I could write a book on that one you know so this get rich quick thing the best way to get rich
0: quick is get rich slow come on somebody he said the best way to get rich quick is to get rich slow that means you put money away over time with compound interest pay off your house and over time it builds up to the amount that you're gonna need when it's when it's time to retire does that make sense that's some good advice and so the key to all of this is to learn how to live and daily on write this down, 70%, 70%. If you can do that, over time, whatever happens, you'll be financially free. And someone said, well, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. In order for that to happen, I need to make more money or get another job. You just asked and answered your own question. (laughs) You can can make more money, you can get another job, and that's true in most cases, but listen to me, for most cases, it's not about that. It's, it's, it's not about making more. it's about spending less. Write that down. Now let me tell you why I say that. Because if you have two couples, couple A and couple B, and couple A makes 100,000 a year and spends 110,000, and couple B makes 50,000 and spends 45,000. Which one is going to have more money at the end of the year? The second one. It's not a trick question. The one. the one that spends less than what they make. Amen? And so if you keep on maxing out your in and out pie, I don't care how much money you make, it's not going to be enough. Listen to what Proverbs 21.5 says. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. So the first thing we need to do to level up is to determine what our priorities are going to be. And I suggest 10, 10, 10, 70. Number two, write this down. Make a decision to get out of debt. Get out of debt. Again, start with your smallest unsecured debt-like credit cards and especially student loans and commit to zeroing them out, all right? especially those credit cards. In America, we have something like $895 billion in credit card alone debt as of June 2021, last year, with an average of $6,194 per person, $15,000 per household, not to mention the average of twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in student loans, and I've met people with much higher student loans. They're praying that the government will somehow waive the, the money that they borrowed. And all this debt is piling up and it's crippling people's financial freedom. And if you're here today and you're young, or if you're listening to me online and you're young, learn and stop the cycle. Put those credit cards away. If you apply the principles from, from when you're young, by the time you're my age, you will be well off. Amen? You will be well off. And does God want us out of debt? Yes. Proverbs 22.7, you tell me. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Does that sound good to you? <laughs> Anybody interested in being a slave to the lender? God doesn't want us to be slaves to anyone. He only wants us to be dependent on him. Psalms 37:21. the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. So if If you're only paying the minimal payment on those credit cards, you're not only paying, but you're overpaying. In other words, you're wasting money on debt when you could be giving it generously or saving judiciously. Hebrews 13.5, I love this. It says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Anybody obsessed with that? (laughs) Amazon is is a multi-billion dollar industry now. It's more than easier. We were on the cruise and... They don't let the crew, crew members off at the, at, the, at the different sites anymore we were talking to them. And in the past, they would get off and they'd get their stuff that they need, like soap and toiletries and all this stuff. They don't let them off anymore. And so they have to stay on there 24-7. I said, well, how do you get your incidentals? And the guy turned to me and he said, Amazon. Oh my God. Amazon delivers to the ships? <laughs> Apparently, they, they deliver their stuff to the different ports. And so it's just easier and easier to spend, and you don't even have to go to the box stores anymore. It comes right to your house. Listen, the Bible says don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have, since God assures us, I love this, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. Never will I leave you, the Bible says, the NIV says, never will I forsake you. Be content With what you have. In other words, if you are a Christian, what you have is God the provider. Amen? Amen. That's what he's saying. Be content with what you have because I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. The number one cause of debt in America is our yearnings exceed our earnings. Our yearnings exceed our earnings. And we don't act our wage. The principle of contentment is the only antidote to it. And so today, there are three kinds of people that Earl Wilson says. Put this up. The haves, the have-nots, and the have-not paid for what they have. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not be the last two, all right? And so getting out of debt should be a goal for all of us. In fact... I want us to take a faith step today. I want you to write down somewhere on your paper, wherever you're listening, write down a date certain that you're going to be out of debt, whether it's going to be two years or five years or ten years. Make a commitment today that I'm going out of debt. I'm not going to be paying these crazy interest rates anymore. And because you're saving, cash is king, right? Right? And so you can negotiate when you have cash a little bit better. Number three, write this down. Discipline myself in small financial ways. Discipline myself in small financial ways. Emphasis on the small. Now, some of us are thinking, Pastor Rick, my debts are so big I won't be able to get out of them. And that may be how you feel, but if in fact you start to trust Jesus in the little things, this is what he says in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, you good and faithful servant," said the master. You have been faithful in managing small amounts, so I will put you in charge of large amounts. Come on in and share in my happiness. And so what are some small commitments you can make today? What, what decisions, to get, you can make a decision to get out of debt and put a date certain on that. You can make a commitment, a, a, a practice for, to, to put, it, put into practice what you've learned today. What's one small thing you can cut back on this week? And remember, to the ones who are faithful in the little things, God says, I promise you more. Galatians 6, 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Determine your priorities. What's number two? Decide to get out of debt. Number three? Discipline yourself in small financial ways. Let me give you the fourth one. Discover the joy of generosity. Now, people mistakenly think that the secret of happiness is how much you get. How many know the opposite is true? The secret is in the giving. The Bible says it's it's more blessed to give than receive. Acts 20, 35, and everything I did, I show you that by this kind of hard work, We must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus said that. In fact, God himself is a generous giver. We know that in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We know that the root word for miserable is miser or cheap. And the most miserable people in the world are those who walk around with a tight fist on the things that God has in fact given them. What has God not given you? Take a breath. The very breath in your lungs is a gift from God. And if he decided to take it back today, there's not a thing you're going to (laughs) do to argue with him. And let me give you the fifth and final. The fifth and final thing is to go ahead and do Today, Start today. Get started. This is the time of the year when many people are saying, you know, that's right. I know the right thing to do, but I'm not going to start today. I'll start tomorrow. Yeah. And then tomorrow never comes, right? Someone said procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. And when that bill comes in, then, then it's time to pay the piper. If I go through this life ignoring God's principles in finances, eventually the bill is going to come due. If you're having trouble figuring out why your equals keep merging into negatives, perhaps the problem is your perception, the way you're looking at things. Listen to me. And that's not going to clear up until you start applying God's principles to your situation. Maybe you're here today or you've tuned in. Online, because you heard about the subject matter, you, and you want some help in your finances, in your house. And while you're here, you're starting to sense the move of the Spirit in your life. He's saying, "You know what I'm telling you is true." You ever, you ever get that witness in the Spirit that what you're t- what you're being told is the truth, and that's God tugging at your heart. But just like everything that we do, everything that we say, everything. Is contingent I don't want anyone to, to think okay if I give more the God's gonna be you know you're gonna be somehow more blessed uh, in, in terms of God's attention God's not gonna love you any more than he loves you right now he loves you he gave his son for you the, the your first priority is always in the area of surrendering your heart to him that's where it all starts because he loves you like no one does now people say well What does the love of God look like? It looks like what God did on the cross (laughs) 2,000 years ago. And why did he do that? Because it was a good idea? No. Because the Bible says all have sinned and the wages of sin is death. Every single one of us has a spiritual debt that we owe, that we inherited. Every single one of us have sinned in our lives. If you, if you, if you think you don't, just answer a few of those questions. We, we talked about them yesterday. Have you ever told a lie? What do you call people who tell lies? Liars. Even one. Have you, how many times do you have to tell a lie to be considered a liar? Come on, somebody. Have you ever taken anything that belonged to someone else, even small? What do you call people who take things that belong to other people? A thief. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Would you would you would you take your mother's name in vain? Use it as a common curse word? Why wouldn't you do that? Because you respect your mother. Yet people are you turn on the TV and they J, jesus this and God that nah, they take they using God's word as a common curse word. Have you ever done that? That's called blasphemy. Have you ever looked at someone with lust in your heart? Who hasn't? Jesus said to look at someone with lust in your heart is to commit adultery. And so that's just four out of the 10 commandments. And, and if we've broken four out of the 10 commandments in, in, in four questions, you've admitted to be a, a liar, a thief, a blasphemer, a blasphemer, <laughs> and adulterer at heart. And if God were to judge you by that standard where would you go Hell. you'd go to hell and you deserve to go to hell but what did god do for us so that we wouldn't have to go to hell how did he display his love for us that's where jesus for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him puts their trust in him repents of their sins turn from sin and self and so following after Christ then they'll have eternal life when someone says Jesus loves you tell them the whole story so they can understand why it's important that people understand the love of Jesus came with a price he paid the sin debt that we all owed it all starts with surrendering our hearts to Christ have you done that yet? If you have not, that's going to be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and say something like this from your heart, if that's you. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender all to you. Forgive me for doing my own thing forgive me for the sin that's been in my life I confess it before you right now and I ask you to cleanse me I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross in my place three days later to rise from the dead today I want to level up in every area that you've called me to. Every area that leads to godly training. Forgive me for being distracted and getting involved with things that just doesn't matter. Help me to make you a priority. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all sin. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So, thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.